Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. Once again, it is time for Let's Talk About Jesus, entering into this brand new year, 2020. Wow. It doesn't seem, well, it actually seems surreal because it doesn't seem real uh, that we are actually in 2020. I remember when the year 2000 rolled around and I was bivocational at that time for a season, just a very short season out of over 45 years of full-time ministry here in the city of Tampa where this broadcast originates. I was working at a production plant and, and it was the change of shifts and people were concerned about the year 2000 turning over. That was 20 years ago, and, and they were asking me questions about, you know, prophecy, and, and could this year be a year when Christ returns, or some big uh, cataclysmic event is going to occur upon the earth, and are all the computers going to shut down and, and, the, and have chaos because of our dependence on our technology, and, and I remember calmly uh, saying unto them, it's going to be like a speed bump in a park parking uh, area, a little bump in the road, and everything will go on just like normal. Uh, I almost wish people were stirred by something like they were stirred 20 years ago. It seems like the world isn't stirred by the soon coming of Christ. Even many Christians are not living in the light of His soon coming. And the message of the soon coming of Jesus seems to be eclipsed in this uh, modern, trendy uh, form of the gospel that is all about this material and physical world. You know, we've just moved into this brand new year and people made resolutions to pray more, eat less, <laughs> lose weight, uh, uh, start an exercise routine, uh, read more in the word, different kind of things, some spiritual and some physical. Uh, physical exercise and dieting has a place. Uh, bodily exercise profiteth little, but it's the spirit that quickeneth. And we want to uh, establish some spiritual goals this year uh, for those who will pursue this high calling in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to talk to you about to know Christ and to make Him known. To know Christ and to make Him known should be two of the greatest goals of the Christian life. To know Christ and to make Him known. Now, I'm not talking about to know Christ. If you're a Christian, you've come to know Christ as your Savior. Paul didn't stop with knowing Jesus as his Savior. He followed on to know the Lord. He pursued the knowledge of God and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let me just make a statement opening here, because if we pursue the knowledge of Christ, we will also need as a goal to make Him known, to know Him for ourselves, and to make Him known. Someone has aptly stated the danger in the Christian life is not that we will aim too high and miss. I'm going to say that again. The danger in the Christian life is not that we will aim too high and miss. It is that we will aim too low and hit the target. 
when we settle for spiritual mediocrity and lukewarmness instead of fervently seeking and serving God, when we're satisfied with the practice of our religion without the pursuit of fellowship with Jesus Christ, when all of our time and energy is focused on the material and the physical and emotional needs at the expense of our mandate from God to win others to Jesus, our aim is too low. And I might add, uh, our, our tithe and our time, it's both linked together. Billy Graham said, show me your checkbook and I will, I will be able to define unto you what your values are, what your values are represented by. You see, to know Christ and to make Him known should be the great consuming passions of the Christian life. If you decide this year to seek to know Him more perfectly and intimately and to share Him more effectively, I believe we'll experience a fresh move of the Holy Spirit in our personal lives and that our churches will begin experiencing both wind and fire. (laughs) Hallelujah. As we purpose in our hearts to win others to Jesus Christ, the wind of the Spirit will begin to blow. The fire of, of the first love will be rekindled as that wind blows upon those embers. Hallelujah. Not just the ever-present winds of opposition and fires of persecution, but the mighty wind of the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, and fire of the Holy Ghost, that this may be truly the year of the favor of the Lord. I have those goals in my life. I reset them. I've never uh, achieved them fully. I'm still pursuing them. And and I reset them every time a new year comes around. Not like a, a, a New Year's resolution. <laughs> I, I've, I've resolved not to make too many resolutions in the natural physical sense because I feel so terrible and guilty when I'm not able to achieve them. I'm telling you, if you make this a goal, you will not be on your own to achieve it. <laughs> Amen. The Holy Spirit will come alongside to help the Comforter, the Paraclete of God, He will come and He will help you to know Jesus better. He will guide you into all truth and therefore He will show you more accurately and more fully and more completely the person and character and nature of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Because He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. Amen. Philippians 3.10 The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Philippi says that I might know him, that I might know him. You know, it's an amazing thing that Paul had all of the experiences he had, and yet he had a goal to know him. Hallelujah. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. I want to read this from the Amplified. I really like this as it brings this out and helps us see it. Amplified is a good name for this translation of Scripture. It says, For my determined purpose is that I might know Him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of His person, 
more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from His resurrection, which it exerts over believers that I might so share His sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into His likeness, even to His death in hope. Hallelujah! Paul's passionate desire to know the Lord caused him to seek Him with ardent love and singular purpose, that I may know Him, was the constant heart cry from the Apostle Paul. And God wants us to know Him. Jeremiah nine twenty three and 24 says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, nor the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Some have taught that God is so infinite and mysterious that He is in, incomprehensible. But Adam certainly knew Him. They had fellowship one with another before sin separated them. And the promise of God in the new covenant is that you and I can come to a personal knowledge of God. I want to read the prophecy concerning the covenant that we are now enjoying as New Testament believers. Jeremiah 31, verse 31 through 34. It says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant. Remember when Jesus lifted up the cup and he said at the Lord's Supper, we call it the, 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 the pattern for all communion services. He said, this is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for the sins of many. Listen to the promise and the purpose of this covenant. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband to them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts." and will be their God, and they shall be my people. <laughs> Verse 34 says, And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. 
Praise God. They shall all know me. I'm going to forgive their sin so they can come to know me and fellowship with me. This is an incredible prophecy fulfilled in the new covenant that we as new covenant believers should be participating in. Ephesians 1, 15 through 20 in Paul's prayer for the Christians in Ephesus, it's clear he wants them to really, truly, personally know Christ. Listen, he says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. I love that great Christian song, Don't you open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to know you. I want to know you. Amen. God wants you to know Him. God wants me to know Him as mighty and mysterious and, and high and infinite as He is and holy, thrice holy God. That angels cry, holy, holy, holy. He said, I want you to know me. Listen to verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Ephesians 1.18 That you may know what is the hope of His calling. And the, what is the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And this is all through the fundamental, foundational knowledge of Him. This is the outworking of that knowledge of Him. We will know His heart. We will know who we are in Christ. And we will know who He is in us. Hallelujah. And what is the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness? Uh, I want to go back. I don't want to run into 19 without reading this slowly, clearly. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Praise God. God wants you to know him and he wants you to want to know him and pursue the knowledge of him. Paul said, oh, that I might know him. Praise God. I, I, I know him as my savior. I know him as my sovereign, my king, my Lord and savior. I want to know him. I want to know Him as, a, as my friend. I want to know Him as an intimate acquaintance. And God wants me to know Him that way. And one of the great works of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into all truth when He, the Spirit of truth, is come. He will guide you into all truth. And Jesus declared that He was the truth. Amen. Hallelujah. It was Paul's personal knowledge of God that gave him such unswerving assurance and faith. 2 Timothy 1, 11 and 12. Paul says, Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher 
of the Gentiles, for which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom, not in whom, Every Christian knows that we have believed on Christ and in Christ as our Savior. But he said, For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. See, it's through that knowledge, am persuaded that he is able. Literally, here it would read able and faithful because if God's able and you don't know he's faithful, your faith will waver in spite of studying scriptures that tell of His sovereign might and power, His unlimited power, His omnipotence, omnipotent, all-powerful God. But if He isn't faithful in His love and His commitment to keep this new covenant with us, then all of that power and knowledge of the power in and of itself would not help us in the day of those great battles that we will face within and without. But he's persuaded because he said, For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able, and I'm just going to add the faithful there, not adding to the word, but expanding on the word, that he is able and faithful to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Once again from the Amplified, for I know, perceive and have knowledge of and am acquainted with him whom I have believed, adhered to, trusted in, and relied on. And I am positively persuaded. I like that. I'm going to read that again. I am positively persuaded that he is able to guard and keep that which has been entrusted to me and in which I have committed to him against that day. I like Spurgeon's comment on this. He said, No subject of contemplation will tend more to humble the mind than the thoughts of God. You know, David said in the old covenant in the Psalms, My meditation of him shall be sweet. Hallelujah. Amen. No subject of contemplation, Spurgeon says, will tend more to humble the mind than the thoughts of God. But while the subject humbles the mind, it also expands it. Nothing will so enlarge the intellect, nothing so magnify the whole soul of man, as devout, earnest, continued investigation of the great subject of the deity. So go, plunge yourself in the God's head's deepest sea, be lost in his immensity, and you shall come forth as a couch of rest, refreshed and invigorated. Hallelujah! You see, God will not, not, Keep the veil so tight that you can't come into His presence and come to know Him through fellowship with Him and getting in the Word of God and, and, and through the knowledge of the Word of God, getting the knowledge of the God of the Word. Praise God. Our first great passion should be to know Him. And the second then is to make him 
known. Hallelujah. First Peter 2 and verse 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. I roll that out. Royal for all of our Scottish descent listeners today. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him. I want to stop right there. Let's define praises. It's not our worship service where our hands are raised and we are, are passionately praising him. That's, that is a, a, a good way of representing him and letting the world see and know how much we love him. But this goes beyond our worship service. This is something we take with us and we flesh out and live out every single day of our life that ye should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The Greek here for praises is a word which simply means virtues or virtues or moral excellence. It is really the fruit of the Spirit. It is developed the, the, the character of Jesus developing in us the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the goodness, the meekness, the faith, the faithfulness. It's all part of His nature being represented and exemplified through our life. Once again, the Amplified said, But you were a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people. That's, that's, what, that's what it means to be peculiar. It doesn't mean to be weird, although a lot of people think we are. It does mean that we've been bought with a price. We've been washed in the blood of Jesus. And in the old covenant, God called ancient Israel his treasures. When I come to pick up my jewels, you'll discern the difference between the righteous and the wicked. You are a special people, a chosen generation, hallelujah, that you might set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, God made us who we are so we can show the world who he is. <laughs> this is the mighty work of God, is to make us more and more like Jesus. Before we can share Christ with the world effectively, we must first show Christ to them. The world doesn't need another definition of Christianity. It desperately needs a demonstration of Christianity. Amen. Here's a preacher's true story. He said, I was walking down the street in Philadelphia and a bum came toward me. I mean, a dirty, filthy guy. He was covered with soot from head to toe. You couldn't believe how messed up he was. He had this huge beard and there was rotted food stuck in the beard. As he approached me, he held out a cup of McDonald's coffee and said, Hey, mister, want some of my coffee? <laughs> That's a switch, isn't it? <laughs> I looked at this dirty, filthy personhood and said, Thanks, but that's okay, and I walked by him. The minute I passed him, I knew I was doing the wrong thing. So I turned around and said, Excuse me, I would like some of your coffee. 
and I took some of the coffee and sipped it and gave it back to him. I said, you're being generous. How come you're being so generous today? <laughs> and the bum looked at me and, and he said, because the coffee was especially delicious today. And I think when God gives you something good, <laughs> you ought to share it with people. Friend of mine, sometimes this street person knew enough about what God expects us to do. Then a lot of people sitting in the front row of the first church of the frozen chosen. <laughs> Friend of mine, it's time that we quit fronting and get real with God and real with people. In order to be an effective witness for Jesus, we must first be an effective witness to Him. The preacher then asked, What can I share with you, expecting the man to ask for money? And the guy simply said, A hug. <laughs> the preacher embraced him and said, I felt that for an instant I was hugging Jesus. You see, when we model God's love by loving one another and by loving people, about us, for whom Christ died, we make Him known. Our witness has impact. The Holy Spirit in us will love others through us. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says it so well, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the world. You will be witnesses unto me in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. Praise God. Hallelujah. When we begin to model Jesus to this world, and it starts, really, with us. Our witness starts with how we treat each other. I've heard of wars and rumors of wars, not because of, of the last day signs globally, but wars and rumors of wars in the church and in marriages. Friend of mine, that's got to stop. Jesus is coming soon. The work is great. And God wants us to be about our Father's business. The Holy Spirit stands ready to empower us to know Christ and to show Christ to a gain-saying world. Praise God. By this, Jesus said, singular, isn't it amazing? By this shall all men, whether they admit it or not, acknowledge it or not, they will have this knowledge of us if we Allow the Holy Spirit to cause us to love like Jesus loved. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Not one for another. Uh, deep in your heart I love, but no, one to another. Something that is visible, therefore viable. Something that is seen. It is said, one of the, the actual historians that was writing about the, this new movement called the early church, these early Christians, it said when they meet one another, they greet one another if they have never met before, 
They do not greet one another as strangers, but as long-lost friends. And they, they, he could see the love of God flowing from Christian to Christian. And it became a witness. These are the followers of Jesus. At Antioch, it was so evident what they saw in this movement. They, they began to call them something. Christians. That's where they were first. And they didn't call themselves that. That's how they were seen by the world about them. Hallelujah. I believe God wants to showcase His Son through His church and therefore through every child of God today. This is the great challenge going into 2020 that we might know Jesus Christ and that we might make Him known. Hallelujah. And I pray that you will accept the challenge. I am resetting my commitment to know Him more intimately and more perfectly and to share Him more effectively than I've ever done in all of my life because Jesus is indeed coming soon. The work is great. The labors are few. And God wants us to go into the field. And He wants to go and be witnesses unto Him. Not just witnesses for Him, but witnesses unto Him in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. Everywhere there are believers, there is to be a witness unto Jesus Christ today. That's why the power was given. Amen. So God is looking for those who will accept that challenge. And I pray you will be one of them. The Holy Spirit standing ready to give us power. Not just to do the miracles. Not just the charisma or the charismata. But the power. Not just to cast out devils or lay hands on the sick. Yes, that is part of the power. But He's given us power to become more like Jesus. Oh, the great miracle of salvation where the heart of stone is removed, the heart of flesh is put back in. And now He can write His laws upon our heart. And we begin to do by nature what is contained in the law. And what is that? To love and to love to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, body, spirit, strength, to love our neighbor as ourself. And today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you don't know Him at all, but He wants you to know Him first as Savior and Sovereign, and then as a friend who will never leave you and forsake you, go with you all the way. Don't run from Him any longer run to him confess your sins repent and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and come back next week and let's talk about Jesus Jesus